lots and lots of feedback there, and I'll come to it if I can. But I can hear Colin Peacock in the studio in Wellington for Midweek Media Watch. Hi, Colin. Yeah, I'm just trying to keep my breathing under control here, looking at that minute by minute on the cricket. Yeah, amazing, isn't it? Well, it's a bit of a media event of itself, but I can uh, I could probably hex the whole thing because back in 1992, New Zealand had a good first innings in their semi-final against Pakistan. Then in the half-time between innings, I was drawn out of a hat and won a competition to go to Melbourne to see the World Cup cricket final, which would have had New Zealand in it, but they uh, crumbled in the second innings. Inzamam al-Haq happened, and cricket fans will remember that, and so I had to go and watch Pakistan against England. Will you stop it immediately? MCG. So, just saying. Um, in fact, there is this thing—the win predictor algorithm. We saw it on Sky TV's um, coverage here with Brian in the studio next door, and uh, Trent Bolt bowled a dot ball, and it still said at five for three that India was seventy-one percent chance of winning, and then Trent Bolt bowled one dot ball, no run off it, and then immediately flipped from from seventy. Uh, 71 to 70, so a 1% change even on that. So um, I don't trust in the algorithms. I mean, anything could happen by the look of it out there. Anything could happen. Well, RNZ will keep you informed as we go through the night because Ravinda said maybe three, two, two, three hours it'll be all over. Well, we'll see. I mean, it could be before that. At <laughs> it the could be rates, before but, that. Um, right. mm, who knows? Who knows? All right, let's get on to what's been going on in the media this, so far this week. We're talking about Google again. Yeah, well, seven days ago, um, we, uh, we were here talking about this. I raised that, that uh, Andrew Little, the Justice Minister, very cranky with Google for um, this relates to uh, Google naming the man accused of killing the British backpacker Grace Mullane. Back in December, Google put out an email of news talking points to its subscribers and named the guy, even though he had strict name suppression because of the court orders. Um Yeah, very cross about that, uh, Andrew Little, because at that point he'd said Google have had all this time, they've thought about it, and basically they've come back to me and said, look, they're not going to do much about it, it's a bit too difficult. And he described it as uh, Google giving the middle finger to New Zealand, which is the sort of thing you don't normally expect your justice minister to say. Um, He then wrote uh, after that quite a a blunt piece for the spin-off website where he said, look, Google are being reckless and I'm going to have to call them to account. So real fighting talk. But just after you closed the program uh, uh, seven days ago after talking to me... um, the Susanna uh, kicked off the 11pm news bulletin with uh, an update with Andrew Little upping the ante. The Justice Minister has told Google, don't be evil. Andrew Little has referenced the search engine's former motto in a tweeted video venting his frustration at Google's breach of suppression orders in the Grace Mullane case. The name of the man accused of the British backpacker's murder in Auckland last December remains suppressed pending an appeal. In the video, Mr Little calls on Google to follow its new motto and do the right thing by preventing such a breach from recurring. Earlier, he had released an email from Google seeming to indicate it will take no action to resolve the issue. The Attorney-General has the right to consider whether a contempt of court action is appropriate. I think there is a more systemic problem here. Google kind of... And what happened? Well, that is interesting because that's fighting talk, isn't it? Getting your attorney fighting general to... Talk. Yeah, I mean, you know, contempt of court and so on. Uh, but the whole narrative, in fact, as I was saying to you, look, Google doesn't appear affected by these things, can ride, ride out these problems and doesn't really uh, figure that they're accountable. But 
The very next day, uh, Google's local representative, Ross Young, uh, who works out of Wellington, apologised to Andrew Little, um, said they'd suspended that trending topics email uh, that was the one that, that carried the name of the accused man. Um, they've, they've stopped that altogether, and he said it was all a, a miscommunication. And the original story, well, the first person to notice that uh, the suppression order had been breached by Google was Toby Manhire of the spin-off site. And last week he published in full uh, Google's full response in writing. If, if you want to read it, I do recommend it. Go to the Media Watch page of the RNZ website. Look for the Midweek Media Watch page with about all the stories we're going to talk about here tonight. And the, the link to that story is there. And it's, um, it's quite a piece of um, modern communications, if you like, in which Ross Young says, yes, there was a miscommunication there and... Uh, we do attend to abide by the laws, and um, he even references the Christchurch call and said we want to act in the spirit of the Christchurch call with uh, Jacinda Ardern and Emmanuel Macron and all the big tech companies were there in Paris. Some people said it was just a, a kind of PR photo opportunity, but um, they're referencing that and saying that's the way they want to carry on the spirit of that particular document, so we'll see. Well, he's the man on the ground, but does it necessarily mean that it translates internationally with Google? Uh, no, well, that, that is, um, I guess, the proof of the pudding. You have to wait and see about that. But another interesting outcome from this, actually, was uh, Andrew Little appeared on the Q&A show, TVNZ's um, TV1's program on Monday night. And uh, Jack Tame did the interview, and he asked um, Andrew Little an interesting question. What about a central repository with with information that, that is being suppressed in court? Is that something you are considering? Yeah, I've raised that with justice officials, and I am keen to explore that a little further. I mean, bearing in mind, however, that mm. when a suppression order is given, it is given... It takes effect the minute the judge hands it down. Um, but I think there is a case to say, you know, even for, for New Zealand media as well, there ought to be a place you can easily go to find out whether, in relation to a particular case, however you describe it, there are suppression orders that apply in relation to it. He means internationally. Uh, no, no, here in New Zealand. That's, oh, that's the thing. So, and this is interesting because this is something that uh, journalists here have been calling for for a very long time and they might not be happy to hear Andrew Little on the Q&A show say look you know these things take time I've learned this in government they'll be saying well you know this is something we've said is urgent um, and it's even happened to me in Media Watch where uh, we, we're not exactly doing live news commenting on things a few days after how they've been covered in the media I can think of two occasions where uh, I've almost actually uh, put in the program details that uh, you wouldn't have thought were suppressed but actually were even though they've been widely reported so yeah the central register is a very good idea maybe there are practicalities that make it difficult but yeah for Andrew Little to be saying just now that he thinks it's a good idea well if he'd listened to journalists uh, a lot earlier um, we'd probably have one already. An international register would be a good idea, though, wouldn't it? Well, it depends. I mean, you know, you have things like the George Pell case in Australia or even um, what I know Jeremy Rose has talked about before on, on Midweek Media Watch, the, the Joseph Fritzl case in Austria, you know, horrible cases. And there, the people can't be named because um, of the sexual nature of, of the charges and the victims and so on. Uh, but in New Zealand, we just figure, oh, it's overseas and publish the name. So yeah, but that, isn't that, isn't that um, exactly what happened with Grace Mullane? Uh, yep, very much so, reported in the overseas media. But, I mean, the thing is, the guy's on trial here. It's our media that have to abide by the rules, and the judge has to be concerned about whether a jury would be influenced. So, I mean, of course, they can read international coverage. Um, but, you know, then the big debate is, well, can you shut down the Internet? No, you can't. Um, but by all means, uh, the media here abide by the rules and are entitled to be annoyed 
that a company that operates in New Zealand, makes money in New Zealand, like Google or indeed any other that's online, um, should feel that they have to abide by the same principles and can't just brush it off. So that's what makes the Google change of heart, as it appears to be, uh, an interesting one. And if it was just a miscommunication, as uh, the local arm of Google uh, says, and that somehow the Justice Minister got the wrong end of the stick, that's interesting because they had an awfully long time to be able to um, look at their systems and announce that they were going to suspend this uh, Google Trends email that was at the heart of the matter, um, not just uh, saying so the day after uh, they got a strip torn off them by the Justice Minister in public. This is Midweek Media Watch with Colin Peacock. Where are we going to now? Uh, well, just briefly, um, a really interesting retrospective. Uh, again, it's the, the spin-off we've already mentioned today. Uh, this is commentator Morgan Godfrey, uh, who wrote a really long piece about the... Well, actually, it's not that long. It's quite an easy read. This was relating to Māori Television's Native Affairs show back in 2014, I think it was, did a headline-making investigation of misspending at the Kohangareo National Trust and two individuals at a subsidiary of the trust who'd been spending money on the company credit cards, which was extremely um, unwise. And at this time, the Native Affairs Programme on Māori TV did an investigation that they tried to stop. They hired lawyers to try and prevent its screening uh, and get it kind of injuncted. And then they complained once it had screened to the Broadcasting Standards Authority about fairness. They failed both times. And a lot of money has been spent since then uh, defending a case against one of the trust members who they effectively blamed for a part of this. And uh, just last week he was found to have been uh, to have lost his position uh, unfairly. And he's now entitled to half a million dollars in costs but what Morgan does here and goes through a very complicated story and all the ins and outs of it uh, and discovered that, you know, the problem here is, is the title of the story was that elites look after their own and that all the interventions, we had people like um, Willie Jackson and John Tamahiri who were Radio Live broadcasters at the time saying the story was um, was Maori bashing, their words. Fanaora um, minister at the time, Tariana Turia, uh, called the investigation an attack on the movement and it wasn't it was about the conduct of two individuals and then how people closed around them effectively to protect them Morgan does a great job and I do recommend either go straight to the spin-off and look for it there or find the link on the Midweek Media Watch page and, and have a read of it because um, it really is a fascinating story and the chief executive of Māori Television um, Paura Maxwell was appointed after that the staff uh, weren't happy with him and in his reign the Native Affairs Programme was actually axed but not before most of the staff including uh, Nihi Narangi Forbes who led that investigation for them had quit. So yeah, pretty sad saga and he sews it all up very nicely in this in this retrospective article. Elite always protect their own inside the Kohangareo saga that's the title of it in the spin-off. It is, it is indeed. Well, I think we've got time for one more story. Yeah, this is one I want to ask you about. Um, New Zealand no longer has a local music TV channel. Uh, MediaWorks has scrapped the Edge TV and replaced it with a plus one delayed version of their, I think, not very widely watched lifestyle channel, uh, Three Life. Uh, so Three Life plus one. And they're saying they're still going to do the output digitally, but it'll just be available online. But uh, there's a petition going out through the fans who are saying, well, why not just put it on TV? We'd rather have that than, than Three Life. But the company seems to be saying, well, look, everyone just consumes their video online now. No point in having a TV channel of music videos. But it seems to me a bit of a shame. I don't know what you think. Well, I'd say MediaWorks, every decision that they 
make is to do with EBITDA, so that will be at the heart of it, <laughs> money. Uh, and isn't it to do with the audience? That audience just don't watch TV. TV's dead. It's all about the app. Only only parents and strange people watch TV. It's all about the small, bite-sized pieces of information, Colin. I was having a look at a few of the online Edge headlines from the Dom, Dom, Meg and Randall show. Meg, she is a rude joke her German teacher taught her in high school. And Dom reveals what women wear that really turns them on. So I might go have a quick look at that now. <laughs> so, so I've been missing out. I haven't been going there for my news headlines. But, but it's all about that. The actual online version of it is the video as well as some small little pieces of information underneath it. So it's as much as your brain can handle. I see. Yeah, it sounds like it. But when they launched this, Edge TV, uh, five years ago, almost to the day from they, when they canned it, at the time they said this is an evolution, a step forward, this is how things will go, radio will leverage television and the big audiences and the entertainment brands and we might do it with our other radio stations too. You know, five And five years on, the week that they canned this TV station, the Edge TV, uh, the actual radio station returned its highest ever or the, the highest audience figures of any uh, New Zealand commercial radio station in the latest survey, some 630 thousand people i would have thought you could have got an audience out of that listenership that might go to the tv and watch a bit of the stuff if you're going to the trouble of making a video stream and putting it out anyway nobody has a tv these days in that age group Colin. it's slightly sad isn't it that they they maybe they're they're just um you know not all sitting around a tv and having a chat and watching the videos and comparing them but everyone's just looking at their own individual video individually on demand on their devices bit of a shame but maybe yeah, i'm showing maybe I'm your age and, now afraid, so. <laughs> you have, really are have we got time for a quick slip from paula bennett Yes, okay. we do. One Bri- minute. Briefly, uh, Simon Bridges uh, last year accidentally called her Paula Benefit because she was the welfare minister when she was talking about uh, benefits. Um, that was a funny gaffe, one of the stuff gaffe of the year award or something like that. But Paula Bennett was talking to Peter Williams on Magic Talk and wrote, made a rather funny slip when she was talking about benefits. And you, you have to listen closely to hear it, but it was just in the run-up to the news. Secondly, why shouldn't fathers be paying for their own children? It is not up to you, Peter, to be paying for um, and fathering and paying for other fathers who aren't paying their fair share. And I think that that is wrong. I didn't realise he was that busy. <laughs> That's right. And he was writing up to the news. He said, Paula Bennett, thank you, and it came to the news. So maybe it spared his blushes. But um, she did pick up her mistake immediately. But I thought that was pretty funny. Not up to you, Peter, to go fathering all these children on benefits. So, uh, yeah, but Peter Williams, not guilty so far as we know. Colin, thank you. Grant Robertson's just tweeted, holy f- if asterisk asterisk K regarding the cricket. Oh, 24, 24 for four, is it? What is it now? Uh, I'm not as quick as you at looking at the score. So I got what carried away 30, there. 30 for four. 30 for four. Yeah, Oof. very good. But yes, one wicket went down there while we were talking about the future of music television and, uh, and you were telling me I was old-fashioned for watching it on a TV. Showing your age. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, Colin, thank you very much. No worries. Thanks, Karen.